It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Well, let's talk to Tobias Elwood about this. He's not only a Conservative MP, he's also chair of the Defence Select Committee. Good morning to you, Tobias. Good morning. Um, um, the possibility of a compromise on this, would that be an acceptable compromise to you and, and others who are, are not happy uh, about this internal market bill? If there had to be, he said, the Prime Minister says it's insurance policy, if there had to be another parliamentary vote before it came into force, would that be enough for you? Yeah, absolutely. I've been pushing from this from the very start. I absolutely want to support the Prime Minister. Let's remember, this isn't about those old fault lines of leave and remain. We are leaving the EU and we have to have some insurance policies in our back pocket. In the event of no deal, we then get powers that come back to the UK. How do we trade from Wales to Scotland and so forth? It needs to be done. Everybody is supportive of the bill in general. There's one small aspect of the bill, part five, which uh, we have concerns. And we're simply asking that to be tweaked very slightly because it is affecting this idea that we might breach international law. And you introduced me as the chair of the Defence Select Committee. Our place on the international stage when the world is getting slightly crazy and when threats are actually increasing, it's important that we can still be able to hold our head up high point to China and so forth to say you are breaching the law and not to give them any excuse to say, hang on a minute, we're just following in, you know, your suit here. So these are small changes. Talk of rebellions and things like that, I think are unhelpful. We're actually seeing government work at its best, which is concerns raised, uh, small concerns raised in a bill that we genuinely support. Let's see whether we can get to a compromise. No, but a compromise would seem to be uh, the answer here. But I have to say, I do think it's laughable. And I bow to your your greater knowledge as a Defence Committee chair uh, of, of some of these issues. But it is laughable, this idea that Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping of China are sitting there going, oh, I really want to do this terrible, awful, illegal thing. But, oh, the British have got such a good record on recognising and obeying international treaties. I can't 
possibly, possibly uh, breach that agreement because that that would be that would be bad. I mean, the the idea that these no, you're, people you're have being got you're being a bit you're being a bit um, mischievous there. And I, I don't disagree with you. I think China is going to do what China wants to do. The whole point is that we can't get other countries to step forward with us if we lose that moral high ground. We're a member, a P5 member of the United Nations Security Council, a lead member in the Commonwealth. We want to uphold the law. As soon as we start questioning that and going beneath that that line, then who are we as a nation? No, we're well, we're just as bad the- as the EU. Most of the EU nations don't uphold. Um, the EU as a body and many EU nations routinely don't uphold international treaties and don't you know, enact things and like again, World Trade Organization issues. I don't disagree issues. with you there. But where does our world go when we all then descend into that place? Let's at least have one of us that aspires to promote international law and absolutely defend it. One of the reasons why, going back to China and Russia, they're getting away with what they're getting away is because the risk, the, the West has become so risk averse. America has taken a step back from international leadership. To some extent, Britain has as well. We've been a bit distracted. Let's step forward. But let's step forward on the moral high ground. These aren't huge changes we're asking, which is why I'm pleased to see that there seems to be some sensible movement. This is a very small detail in a very large bill with absolutely the majority of the House of Commons, I hope, will support. Do you uh, think the Prime Minister is telling the truth when he says that this is just an insurance policy? Or do you think a lot of this, and it's genuine, it's just got genuine fears that there will be a food blockade of Northern Ireland because they're under the, uh, the way that the withdrawal agreement could be interpreted and, and this is you know lack of goodwill from the uh, European Union? Or, or, or do you think that actually this is a concocted argument, a way of rallying Brexit here and Tory support um, uh, and, uh, and, and focusing on something different from, uh, frankly, a lot of the really quite blatant failures of the government when it comes to things like the test and trace system and things like that? And that this is this is all concocted for us to have this waste our time having this conversation rather than talking about issues that really affect people's lives? Well, this is slightly my concern as well, is that we actually have dispute uh, resolution mechanisms. There's a joint committee. There's other forums in which we can resolve the details. And this has been a bit of a distraction. It wouldn't be good, I hope you would agree, for us to leave without a deal. We want to leave with a sensible deal, a Canada type arrangement, for example, and finally put this debate behind us. Boy, has it been quite challenging for the last four years. I think we all want to move on. But as we get down to the wire, um, what we are seeing is that we must have an insurance policy in case we end up with no deal. And that's absolutely absolutely sensible governance and, and good statecraft. But what I don't want to do is to see that debate about the insurance policy then overshadow us uh, concluding the talks itself. Apparently, there's two big issues to do with fishing, fishing quotas, and then to do with state aid, get those resolved, we then have a deal and can actually then get back to other important things, not least in uh, dealing with COVID-19. Indeed. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Tobias Elwood, Chair of the Defence Select Committee, Tory MP. Uh, Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Well, let's talk about all of this with Liam Deacon. He's Head of Press at the uh, campaign group Defund the BBC. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Julia. Um, first of all, let's just just talk about what it is you want to do at defund the BBC, because the phrase defund, that comes from you, defund the police, all the uh, activism in America. What does your campaign group actually want to achieve? 
it, it doesn't come from that. I mean, lot people people were saying all sorts of defund all sorts of things. We're not at all, all right. satirizing Black Lives Matter. We wouldn't want to get involved in that. Um, but the, I mean, in terms of what we're we're doing, uh, the this these pay figures come from the BBC's annual report, and in this report, it actually shows that what we want to do is already happening. So it shows that two hundred and fifty thousand people, a quarter of a million people, actually cancelled their license fee last year. Didn't renew it. You know, either moved to Netflix, figured out that if they watch online, they don't need it. You know, people are waking up. Um, so this report, so let's that's that's the good news. Let's start with that. You know, that that people are already walking away from this bloated, expensive, failing organisation. So I mean, essentially, what we want to do is we want to decriminalise decriminalise it. We think that it is fundamentally immoral that people are paying for people like Gary Lineker um, for some of the news reports that fundamentally they don't like um, on pain of jail. It's just absurd. Yeah. So by the end of the year, we want that to happen. And luckily, it's already happening. Yeah, but the key thing um, is, you know, if you don't, yes, if you, if you don't like what you're listening to here or any of our sister stations, you can say, well, I, I won't listen anymore. And you don't have to precisely. pay for it. And that's the option, isn't it? Uh, well, look, I mean, talking about the you know, million pound pay rise for Zoe Ball. And as uh, uh, Tom Sage was just pointing out, the BBC seems very, very concerned with, with targets, with quotas, uh, with diversity. Uh, and their big concern in the last couple of years has been, oh, gender pay gap, how terrible it is that lots of the top stars, virtually all the top stars, uh, were men. But again, I would argue, well, you know, if and when any of those top female stars have been the captain of the England football team, maybe they'll earn 1.6 million. But I'm wrong, uh, 1.7 million, because uh, uh, Zoe Ball has now been given a pay rise after taking over the Radio 2 breakfast show, 1.36 million. Do you think all of that was done just so they, and, and Gary Lineker agreeing to that pay cut, just so they could just, you know, put the attention on Zoe, it would be a woman earning the top money. And for them, they think that, they, as Tom Slater says, they genuinely think that, that they've scored a really clever point there. I can't speak on the gender issue, but I do think it's extremely interesting that these pay figures started coming out four years ago. And um, people, you know, rightly so, people wanted to, to know where their taxes are going, like we know with other taxes. And, um, and, and people started scrutinising the BBC four years ago, started promising to bring these numbers down. Now, in the last couple of years, the primary focus when these figures have come out has been on the so-called gender pay gap. And now you would have thought that the BBC would have thought, right, let's bring these you know, pay packets down. Now we're getting scrutinised, we're getting criticised, let's bring them into line with other sectors. No, their solution to this problem and the alleged gender pay gap was to right, you know, push the pay up. Um, and, and people have pointed out that this year, um, uh, a lot of the, some of these uh, female stars that have gone up. Um, now, I can't speak of whether or not they deserve it or not, but it is particularly notable that some of the serious pay rises seem to be for the sort of people who are not performing. You know, as you point out, Zoe Ball picked up, a, you know, a pound for a, 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 nearly a million pounds, nearly one pound a year for every listener she's lost on Radio 2. Um some of the other ones include um, Lauren Laverne, whose Desert Island Discs really has not been good. Um, and Fiona Bruce picked up a nearly £200,000 pay rise. And I think that, you know, these might, you might view these as isolated incidents. You might say this is because of, 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 a, of a really um, a, a good instinct to correct this gender pay gap. But really, I think this is actually symptomatic of a structural fundamental problem with the BBC, that pay and money is not tied to performance in the same way that it would be in a business, like any other radio station, like any other newspaper. If you're not performing and the customer Customers aren't paying, and you're not bringing in the readers and the listeners. You don't get paid for it. Yeah, but I mean, the that... BBC 
is you know is using our money in a really uh, grotesque way they're just throwing it at stars to try for these political but, reasons but also we have the issue with the senior managers managerial salaries got 106 of them on more than yeah. 150,000 pounds a year a total of 5.8 million pound bill for the BBC board and executive committee it's up from uh, 5.4 million um there is a huge amount of money being spent on a lot of people we never even see uh, and aren't sort of much love stars um uh, just you know just paper pushers i mean again it, no, who who knows what any of these people do um that, that's obviously an issue but is it's the main issue here though that, that we have got um a bbc that is out of touch we saw didn't we with the uh, the row over rule britannia and land of hope and glory at the proms and we've seen it again and again and a lot of the choice of programming the obsession with uh, black lives matter the obsession with diversity obsessions with climate change things like that um that they, they there's so much virtue signaling um wa- finger wagging um so much um you know break Exit bashing, we've seen that for the last four years as well at the BBC, by a supposedly neutral, taxpayer-funded mm. body. That that is the concern for a lot of people. They don't mind paying the licence fee, except that they think that the people, I'm probably quite right, the people working at the BBC absolutely despise them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, 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 the issue of bias has been swirling around for many years. And, and I think a lot of people are convinced that it's getting worse. I think it's absolutely certain that it is. I mean, when you look at the, the, the median wage here is £45,000, which is 83% higher than the national average. OK, 76 on-air presenters are earning more than the prime minister. OK, and when you look at issues like Brexit, which were largely animated by class, OK, when you look at issues um, like identity politics and sort of the these middle class metropolitan obsessions, it's not hard to understand why the BBC is so far removed from your average British voter. Okay, you know, people, BBC, people at the BBC say this is perception, you know, we're we just, we, you know, it, 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 we're not right about this. But I think when you see these hard figures, you can see that they are removed from your average person. Yeah. Okay, and people on the left and the right are absolutely sick of being forced to pay for this. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, some of some of the things that Tim Davies, the new um, director general incoming, has just said have been really quite notable. He's clearly he's admitted what the BBC has denied for so long that they are awash with bias. He admitted that straight away. He but promised. But he promised. Well, he did promise. I have to interrupt there because we are running out of time. That he did promise that you know stars would not be uh, virtue signalling and tweeting uh, their political views. Uh, Gary Lineker apparently is going to yeah. have to stop doing that. But but we shall see uh, whether indeed that is actually going to happen or not. I, I wait. <laughs> with their interest. Liam Deacon, Head of Press at Defund the BBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Stephen Timms is the chair of the Work and Pension Select Committee's Labour MP and he joins us right now. Good morning to you, Stephen. Morning, Julia. Um, the, the, your party leader has, uh, has said he made an open offer, he says, to work on a plan with the Prime Minister uh, to, uh, well, not extend the voting scheme, but replace it with something that isn't across the board and is targeted at the worst hit sectors. How would that work? Well, I, I very much hope the Prime Minister takes up his offer because I think this is definitely worth exploring. The idea is that we know the pandemic isn't going to end on the 31st of October, so simply scrapping all the support on the 31st of October doesn't really make good sense. There are some jobs that are coming back. We obviously shouldn't be subsidising people in those jobs. There are some jobs that are never going to come back. We shouldn't be subsidising them either. But the, there are other jobs in the middle that are going to come back at some point and it 
it, it doesn't make sense to make all those people redundant only to then have to recruit them again a few months later down the line. And I think the sectors that are most likely to need support over the next few months are those where furlough has had the biggest impact up till now. So hotels, restaurants, gyms, construction, actually, um, aviation. You know, we know we're going to need all those things again before too long. So let's not just sack everybody now. Let's see if there are ways that we can support employment in those sectors to get them through the next few months. There is certainly an argument that uh, that it's going to cost a lot more to the taxpayer for these people to be on benefits for many, for many, many years and and on the redundancy payments and all of that. And that actually, you know, it may well be cheaper in the long term if these these jobs can be kept and and, and got back. However, but however, there is also another alternative. We've got a Labour Party and large parts of the Conservative Party now as well, who, who are, you know, talking, you know, you, you guys often want to know an earlier, deeper, longer lockdown, querying the pubs being reopened on the 4th of July, questioning whether people should be back in the workplace. Um, now talk of even of a, of a, of a second wave and a, and a second lockdown, despite the fact that actually we now know far more about this virus. We know we've got the NHS capacity and we know that the vast, 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 vast majority of healthy people under the age of 70 are perfectly safe from this disease. Um we we could save an awful lot more jobs if we just went back to normal life with some social distancing, washing our hands, wearing masks, if that's what the evidence tells us to do, and getting back on with our lives. People going out to restaurants, uh, people getting on planes, being able to go abroad, come back, you know, taking tourists in. That is actually the way to bring back these jobs, isn't it? Rather than putting them on ice for yet another six months. Well, I don't think we are quite in that position yet. And I hope we will be before too long. But, you know, you can see around the country there are these spikes of infections. They bring in a lockdown and the spikes go down. So I, I'm afraid for the time being, we are going to have to carry oh, well, but, on. But hold on a minute, Stephen. We can look. We, I mean, we can never have a single other coronavirus infection again if we all just wear hazmat suits and never leave our homes. But we don't do that for any other disease. We now know the death toll of this uh, of this disease. We now know much more about it and how to treat it and who's affected. We can protect the elderly. We can protect the vulnerable. The rest of us could go back to work and have very, very, very little risk of this disease actually killing uh, in the thousands. Um, you know, we lose thousands to flu. We lose thousands to, to to cancer all the time. We don't close down our economy and our lives. Um, maybe if we really want to save these jobs, we have to just say, you know what? We are going to see a, a, a slight increase in the death toll as we do every autumn, as we do every every winter and we're going to have to learn to live with it well i'd be less relaxed than you julia about the prospect of what you described the slight increase in the death toll i you know i i i don't think it is it would be slight uh i don't think we are yet in a position where we can be cavalier about this i think we're going to have weighing up weighing up the choices I think we're going to have to be cautious for some time. Yeah, I think the government is, is right to be cautious. Uh, and we are going to have to live with these restrictions for a while. And we've got to plan the economy on that on that basis. OK, thank you very much for joining us. Stephen Timms, Chair of the Work and Pension Select Committee. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.